OBS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. This is episode 33. This is the second of several episodes recorded from talks at the Open Source Day for Open vSwitch, which was held at the OpenStack Summit in Boston on May 10th. This particular episode is a series of three lightning talks. Originally four were planned, but one had to be canceled at the last minute. I'll get that one scheduled for a later episode. The first and third talks in this episode are by Joe Stringer, who works on Open vSwitch with me at VMware. The second talk is by Yusuke Tatsumi, a network infrastructure engineer at Yahoo Japan. If you want to jump right into a particular talk, you can check the show notes for their starting times. On to the talks. In uh, the OBS conference last year in, in November, uh, Shivaram Mysore actually uh, presented uh, the Fawcett SDN controller. And uh, in an offhand comment, he mentioned that you, know, you can get started with this in, in a matter of minutes. And, and uh, some of the people in the crowd sort of scoffed at that, said, you, know, you, you can't configure a, uh, an SDN controller in, in, in minutes. You, know, um, you probably can't install a controller in minutes. And um, certainly, like, you might not even be able to download a, a, a controller in five minutes. So um, we, we decided, why not try all three? Uh, so this will be deploying an OBS-based feature switch in five minutes or less, or so I hope. Uh, let's get started. All right, so the first thing I'm going to do here is install the faucet controller from the Reans repository on GitHub. This is just using standard pip. While that's running, I'm going to configure OVS using, uh, so it'll have a bridge called BR0. Uh, it'll have data path ID 1. It'll have a local controller configured. When OVS is not connected to the controller, it's going to go fail mode secure, which means that no forwarding should occur between ports on the data path. To help you follow along, I've got a topology window at the top here that's going to update uh, when I configure things. So we've got the obvious system device, so that's great. I've got this create net namespace uh, script, which will just spin up a network namespace and pipe that through to uh, OVS using the pairs. So when I configure that, you'll see that we have this network namespace foo. It has a VEF pair, which connects to the OVS system device. And it's running the IP address 10.0.0.1 slash 24. I'm going to spin up another namespace here. Similar story, namespace bar. It's got the IP address 10.0.0.2. So we'd expect that if there is L2 forwarding uh, set up in the uh, OVS switch, we should be able to ping from foo to bar. Of course, we haven't set up our uh, SDN controller yet, so that's not actually working yet. Let's put that in the background. So uh, briefly look at the faucet configuration. In the faucet con uh, configuration, in the YAML file here, I've got the data path ID 1 which is corresponding to our previous uh, configuration in the, uh, the, the bridge script. And we have two ports. They're both on native VLAN 100, so they exist in the same VLAN segment. I've also set up a uh, faucet virtual IP, but we'll get into that later on. So I'm running the faucet controller now. And what we'll see in moments is that the, uh, there we go, it's already happened. The configuration that I've applied up here has been mapped down into the OpenFlow switch, into the uh, OVS, and we can see ping flowing through from the foo to bar. So it's great. And in fact, I can, I can show that if we set the uh, VETH device down in the bar namespace, let's drag down, we no longer have connectivity. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, what else can we do? Um, so what I want to do next is actually to uh, set up another namespace. This time, it's going to be in a different subnet. So we've got this BAS uh, network namespace here, which is on 192.168.0.1 slash 24. And uh, we're going to set up some routing in the, in the faucet switch that exists in the OVS system device here. So my configuration has port 3. We're actually going to put that on a different VLAN as well. Port 200, oh, sorry, the VLAN 200 is going to have a faucet virtual IP. 
And I'm also going to set up this router that routes between VLAN 100 and VLAN 200. Let's write that. Restart our controller. So to show that these uh, faucet virtual IPs are working and to show that the controller is up and running, from each of these namespaces, I'm just going to ping through to the virtual IP. You can see that that works. So I should actually be able to ping from Foo through to this new Baz namespace now. Of course, the network's not reachable. I'm, I'm not actually distributing routes or doing DHCP at this stage. So let's just get the uh, route set up. So now I can ping from the namespace foo to namespace baz, and that's uh, just under five minutes. Right, so thank you very much. That's my demo. A uh, quick shout out to Brad Cowie at the University of Waikato, as well as Chris Laurier at Vans and, and Josh Bailey and, and the rest of the Fawcett community. So, thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, on this writing talk, I will share our activity about continuous in integration for IAS. I'm Yusuke Tatsumi in Yahoo Japan. I am a network engineer at production environment for several years, and I joined OpenStack private cloud team from last year. As a recent remark, I adapted OBS DPDK in our OpenStack environment. Uh, this is today's agenda. At first, I will introduce our company and cloud environment briefly. And next, I will talk about our recent reissue and method to improve that as we started using obvious DPDK, our OpenStack. Finally, I will share some actual examples. This is our portal site web page overview, and these are our scale of our site. OpenStack private cloud with obvious DPDK support our many services. As our computing environment needs much performance and function, we have started to use OpenVSwitch with DPDK from last year. In that presentation at last OpenStack Summit at Barcelona, I talked about more detail. In this time, uh, let me jump to the conclusion of that past presentation. These two points are very good for our private cloud environment. As you know, obvious DPDK combination is effective for networking perspective. Additionally, this point, L7 performance will be increased and stable in, even under noisy conditions. I'm, I am grateful for all developer and committee related to OpenVSwitch and DPDK enabling. Thank you very much. As a user point of view, on the other hand, we need to ensure network infrastructure stability. Following latest release of OBS and DPDK is a good way to realize stable infrastructure, like a obvious client mode, many good functions and bug fix are released by community. However, adapting an integration is uh, one of the hard work, we think. For example, in each of components worked well, but in case of their combination, problem happen in some case. And of course, they have different release schedules. This is a summary of release schedules. Only four, no, four components, OpenStack, OBS, DPDK and QMU. Some components are released almost every month. It is very good. And we have to all whole integration test. We think that is a hard work. In framework, uh, it is impossible to confirm every combination by hand. So we try to use continuous integration tool chain to overcome this issue. Uh, this is brief overview of our CI process to overcome that issue. Before doing integration test, we prepare each packages by Jenkins. 
Jenkins also handled the whole integration test process. At first, bare metal servers are provisioned by Ironic that are commonly used in OpenStack. Next step, Jenkins prepare OpenStack environment itself and application that we need. This is used for test function and performance. This process is provided by recipe and roles by chef. Finally, uh, some test scripts will run on this test environment and it will return the result that we need. Through our integration test, we confirm these points. For example, whether TX drop will happen in permission range, whether obvious VSHD process will return in a few seconds by client mode, whether packet parsec performance is improved or not, with different combination of components, etc., etc. This is actual example we found through our activity. Our first case is QMU VForce Force option mismatch between different version of QMU when we used it with OBS in OpenStack. In our in our environment. Uh, this issue with performance degradation and instability of networking. So we fixed this issue and it have been merged with DevStack. Uh, this is second example. This is a case of careless operation of OBS in OpenStack, we think. When we restart the process of Nova Compute, uh, it will recreate existing interface of OBS. Uh, because of this process, communication disconnection happen just a moment. Uh, this issue is not reported widely, so uh, we have fixed only internal yet. And we now prepare reporting this issue to the community with the root cause. This is summary. Continue to follow the latest release is good way to improve stability of computing environment. But it is also hard to ensure a function and performance with integrated infrastructure, such as OpenStack. By using CI tool to realize whole integration test with OpenStack, we could find some problems caused by the combination problems. We confirmed whole integration tests could make network infrastructure much stable. Thank you for your kind attention. All right, so this is changing gears a little bit more, uh, moving maybe more to an operationals kind of a, a perspective. Um, so uh, let's get started. So, so we're all familiar with the modern uh, marvels of the cyber age where you can go down to a cyber cafe, you can log in and you can launch into cyberspace and uh, you, know, you, can, you can do your shopping, you can talk to your friends, it's, it's great, it's, it's wonderful. But given the audience, uh, I think we're probably maybe a, a bit more involved in actually making this cyberspace work. And so you may uh, operate a, a network. Uh, you may run a cyber cafe yourself. This talk is for you. Uh, so we're all familiar with you know, the complexity that comes with networking. You know, you've got all your, your L2 functionality, your L3 functionality, the different security perspectives, neighbor discovery, topology detection, uh, monitoring, and so on, and uh, this alphabet soup that you have to sort of manage. And then, of course, you've got all of the different physical devices that, that uh, you know, I, I suspect none of you are running a CyberWave 300S, but other than that, there's a lot, a lot going on there. 
But we really want, what we want to move to is one of these sort of cloudy diagrams, you know, where on the left, we have some sort of high-level policy where we configure the topology and the forwarding that we want to um, achieve on our network, and then that thing just sort of maps down onto a set of switches across our network. So you might imagine like a package install cyber networking and service cyber networking run, and uh, maybe with a, a little bit of extra love and attention, it'll just... Uh, uh, start running. And, and I'd argue that maybe with Fawcett we're not so far off from this. So in Fawcett you configure this YAML file, it has L2, L3, uh, some sort of uh, ACLs and various things like that. And so you put this YAML file into the Fawcett controller and then it maps that down into a set of OpenFlow 1.3 uh, uh, switches. And uh, Fawcett's developed using you know, modern techniques such as unit testing and, and uh, has Travis and all that kind of thing. So uh, it works, works pretty well. But so what happens, let's say that Fawcett actually provides the set of functionality you want to uh, run your network. Um, how do you actually source these white box switches on the right-hand side? And uh, one of the problems with white box switches is, is they all just look like white boxes. They're all the same, right? Uh, so you've got vendor A, vendor B, vendor C, and, and they all say that they support OpenFlow 1.3. And you're like, great, but what does that mean? Does that, does that mean that you actually follow the spec 100%? And uh, what about the various uh, hardware bugs and, and various things like that? So how do you actually evaluate that a vendor is providing a, a version of an OpenFlow 1.3 uh, switch that, that will actually achieve what we want to achieve in the network? So this is where the RFP comes in. So you send out this document to, to the various different vendors and uh, you basically request, you know, can you do this, can you do that? And the vendors go and, and compile this stack of paperwork, and they send you this stack of paperwork, and then you become a monk. You just, like, study all of this paperwork for, for days, weeks, months. You know, you checked as H999 Annex 3 subsection D, the return of the packet. You know, do, does that actually match uh, what you want to achieve? And then you have to cross-reference that with the other vendors and determine, you know, does this actually do... Uh, what we want to achieve. And then, you know, do they have RFC 2549 compliance? Do, what does it actually mean that they have that kind of compliance? And, uh, and then eventually, you sort of, you know, you make your way through, and then you say, last step, you go to the vendor and you say, how do you know it works? They just say, hmm, trust us. And, uh, and they may have test suites uh, within their environment, but uh, as a user or as a uh, network operator, you have no way to validate that this stuff actually works uh, after, once you actually get the devices. So the uh, Fawcett project actually provides a test suite based on Mininet and OBS. So what you can do is configure a, uh, a PC with a bunch of ports connected to an OpenFlow 1.3 uh, compliant switch with a control plane network going across the top. And uh, the Fawcett test suite will configure this switch It'll send down all the OpenFlow flows. If there are any errors there, then obviously the, the, the switch is not capable of, of implementing the policy. And it'll also run some traffic through that switch and validate, or does it actually decrement the TTL when you, uh, when you say decrement the TTL? Uh, does the, the packet, the, do the packets actually get forward in the way that we want it to do? And uh, so you can actually run this uh, test suite on, uh, against a piece of hardware in, in about 15 minutes, and it's being uh, actively tested against a variety of different vendors. So what I'd say is that maybe we can sort of turn this RFP process upside down, and what we do is provide the faucet controller to the vendor, and the vendor runs it in their environment, and then they can actually validate that their hardware works as an OpenFlow 1.3 compliant switch. Uh, and so instead of you know, going through pages and pages of documents, you can boil it down into a, a test suite that just gives you a tick or, or, or a cross. And then uh, let's say that they want to provide a new version of the software once you've actually deployed it, uh, you know, these switches in your network. And so you can just go and take your switches, run the faucet test suite against it yourself. You can actually validate just for yourself that this upgrade is not going to have some sort of a regression. 
So let's say that this is, has the potential to bring us into a brave new world of RFP in, in the 21st century, uh, something I might call the cyber RFP. Does OBS pass the test suite? It does. OBS passes it. Could you say cyber a few more times? <laughs> cyber. Thank you. OBS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution Unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org, or for more information about OpenVSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.